Hey, my name is Ryan McVitie, and I am the pastor of the River Worship. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. If you haven't heard about the river yet, it's an amazing move of God happening in the greater Toronto area. Yes, Toronto, Canada. It's a cold place, but we have warm hearts, and we love coming together every Tuesday night and worshiping the Lord with all we've got. We also get to dive into the Word, and that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to dive into the Word of God, and I trust and pray that it will impact you in a powerful way. If you're ever in the Toronto area, come visit us. We would love for you to worship with us together. But enjoy the message, and God bless you. That sounds pretty weird. Hey, river people. Sounds like people that eat crocodiles and have, don't have any teeth and live out in the woods. Um, how about family? Can I call you family? Yeah? You know we are family, right? We got the same father. We're family. That's right. Hey, um, thank you so much for coming tonight. I'm blown away. You know, I've, I've been a pastor for almost 10 years. Been pastoring here for uh, coming up on 18 months. And um, usually when you announce giving week, ain't nobody come out on giving week. I mean, attendance dips. Look around you. Um, thank you for coming out tonight on a week that has to do with giving. If you're that one person that was like, I didn't know this was giving week, shoot. <laughs> Forgot my wallet, sorry. Um, that's fine, that's cool too, no worries. Um, I wanna spend a few moments tonight before we go to the Lord with our tithes and our offerings, which by the way, we never take an offering at the river except for this one week per season. We talk about giving for about 10 seconds every night and, and that's about it. Um, but this is the one night where we get to orient our hearts towards the Lord through honor of getting to give. But before we do that, I want to just talk to you about that a little bit, why we do that. And I want to show you a bit of what God has been doing here at the river. Because guys, I don't know if you notice, but God is up to something through you guys. Like he is on the move. Anybody believe that tonight? Like he is doing something through you. The river is you. It's not me. It's not them. It's, it's, it's you. And he is doing something very, very special. Everything about this place and this thing is crazy um for people to come out on a tuesday night do you know how many people told me i was crazy to try to do this on a tuesday night like who's got school tomorrow let me see your hands all right who's got work tomorrow put them up all right who's homeless keep your hand up everybody we all got school tomorrow we got work tomorrow if you're homeless that wasn't like i'm glad you're here okay and like that's we'll help you um but but we all got things to do 7 30 in a sleepy little town of Whippy. Where are my Whippy people at? Whippy ain't sleepy anymore, y'all. Two weeks ago when, when we had Easter here, the OPP was complaining because you guys blocked the 401. Like Brock Street was unsafe. People couldn't get in and out. I'm not kidding. Like the OPP was mad. I don't clap to make the police mad. That's bad. But Whippy's not a sleepy little town anymore. This is crazy what God is doing here. It's multicultural. It's multi-generational. We got, we got 15-year-olds. We got 50-year-olds. We got grandmas. We got grandkids. Like, it's unbelievable. It's multi-denominational. Yo, who's been a Christian for a long time? Let me see your hand. Do you know how hard it is to get people to come together from multiple denominations? I mean, like, Baptist, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Anglican. That's the real miracle. It, it's unbelievable how God is uniting people here at this place, the river, and, and sometimes I got to step back and be like, God, I really can't believe this. This is unbelievable. Someone said to me once something. He said, Ryan, I, it is so evident that God is on the move of the river. 
man, yeah, that's, that's really true. That's, that's cool. That, I, I agree. He said, it's so evident because I know this could not be you. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> I mean, he was right. <laughs> He's not. <laughs> but, but it is true. God is up to something here that's incredible. And let me tell you the very best news. Y'all ready for this? He's just getting started. He's just getting started. It's only been 18 months. We're barely a toddler, and look what he is doing. It's amazing. So I want to walk you through a little bit of what God has done in those past 18 months. Can I do that? You down with that? And then we're going to get into the Word of God, and we're going to give together. So I want to tell you one thing to start. I want to show you what the total attendance over the past 18 months has been. It's going to come up on the screen right now. The total attendance. Guys, 101,906. In 18 months, over 100,000. That's how many times that's, those seats that you're sitting in have been filled. That's unbelievable in just 18 months. First time guests. Where are my first time guests at? Put your hand back up. Yeah, y'all are special. Guess how many of you that we've had in 18 months? 13,722 first time guests that we know about. Okay, those are people that have filled out a connection card and went and got a t-shirt. Y'all, if any of you are wondering why the river is broke, that's why. That's a lot of t-shirts, 13,700 t-shirts. That's how many we've given out. Um, it's, it's, it's just unbelievable how many different people have come to experience God. Guys, someone told me last week, I have no way of knowing if this is true, and I actually kind of hope it's not, but someone told me that, that the river, you, this thing, is now the largest single gathering, the largest single weekly gathering of Christians in the whole country of Canada. What? Like... If you told me that two years ago, I would have told you that, that you, you got some screws loose, bro. Like, there's no way. That's, that's, not, that's not possible. But you know what? Everything is possible for my God. Everything is possible for your God. And what he's doing is unbelievable. We've had 67 worship nights. I think you're going to see that up on the screen. Get this. You have sung and worshiped the Lord to how many worship songs? 538 different worship songs. That's, that's crazy. Can you give this River Music team a bit of an applause for learning that many songs? That's, that's unbelievable. That's, that's crazy. That's a whole lot of worship, right? That's a whole lot of God smiling down on his people while he's being worshipped. That's incredible. You know there's power in that. Um, we've had 67 sermons. I think I've brought you about 60 of them. I'm tired, y'all. Anybody preach here? <laughs> Come on up. I'm kidding. We need to get to know you first. Make sure you're not crazy. Um, 67 sermons, that's how many we've had. Um, social media followers, God has not just been ministering in this room, he's been doing it on social media, 36,882 social media followers, which is, which is unbelievable. Video views, um, the amount of times that people have watched videos of sermons or songs, 4,133,000 plus times. That's how many times the gospel has been shooting out online. And going past Sleepy Whitby, get into the, get into the whole world, really, but, but mainly across Canada. Guys, this is the biggest Christian auditorium in the entire country of Canada, and you have already filled it multiple times. That, that's, that's unbelievable. In just 18 months, we've had four or five weeks where we have slammed a chair in every single inch of this place, and some of you have still been standing or been in the lobby worshiping the Lord. Like, why am I saying all this? Not to be prideful, not to gloat, because none of this was done by me. I want you to realize what you're a part of. Like, this is special. This isn't just another little thing. God, God is moving here. But all of that dawns in comparison to the next number that's going to load right now. All of that is not really what makes God smile. 
Let me show you what really warms the heart of the Lord. Let me show you how many people are no longer going to hell and going to heaven for all of eternity. And I hope you get excited while this number loads. It's a big number, so it takes time. 1,298 people going to heaven because of what you have done here at the river and how the Lord has moved in their life. If you're not on your feet right now, you should be because that's absolutely incredible. That's insane. Sit down, save your energy. That's crazy, y'all. 1,298 people, the eternal trajectory of their life changed by God by having an encounter with him here at the river. But now what I want to tell you, what makes all of this possible is you. You are what makes this possible. You are the people who have made room for God to do these incredible things. And that's the theme tonight is to make room for God. Because tonight is our once per season giving week. Tonight makes the next season possible. No giving week, no season six. <laughs> this is what makes it all possible. It, it paves a way for God to move financially, spiritually, and prayerfully. What do I mean by that? We're not just going to give tonight. We're going to pray tonight. You are going to be given a card. There it is up on the screen. When we give together in a few moments, I'll tell you what that looks like later. You're going to be given a card, and here's what I hope that you will do. Here's what I hope that you will do. I hope that you will write down one word, just one. Let's keep it simple. One word that you are praying to the Lord for breakthrough in, in this next season, okay? I want you to write it down on the card that we're going to give you. You also have a giving card. You can check it out now. You can check it out later if you want. There's different ways to give. It's that green card with an envelope. Down at the bottom, it says, my word that I'm praying for breakthrough in season six is. I want you to think tonight as I preach and as we go back to worship in a moment, what is that word? What is that word that you are taking to the Lord, just praying that he will move for? For some of you, it might not be a word. It might be a name. You got a son. You got a daughter. You got a mom. You got a dad. You got a friend who doesn't know Jesus. And maybe you got to write down a name there. And we are going to partner with you in prayer because every single one of us later tonight are going to get up out of our seat. We're going to take an action. We're going to put that card and our, our offering those green Batman, cool, glowing-looking <laughs> giving stations later tonight. And then our river team is going to pray over those cards and pray with those words for the next four weeks until we come back to worship him. So we're going to set a spiritual foundation, a prayerful foundation, and I am praying that the Lord will break through in your lives in a mighty, mighty way as we pray over the next five weeks until we meet again. I want you to do that even if tonight you don't give a penny. And you, you don't look, you don't need to give a penny. I don't want you saying you came here and that preacher told me I had to give. You don't. Okay? Tonight is not an obligation to give. It's an opportunity to give. I'm going to talk to you in a minute about why you should do it and why it's good for you in your best interest, but it is an opportunity. It's not an obligation. This is one of the only places in society that you can go, you can come every week, you can be served, you can be fed, you can be greeted with a smile, and then you can just get up and leave without giving a penny. And that will never change. That will never change. You can do that. But tonight I'm going to tell you why there's power in doing more than that. I'm going to talk to you about that because tonight is an opportunity and it's one that I'm very excited about. I'm going to give tonight. My wife is going to give. This whole team is going to give. All our volunteers are going to give tonight. Y'all, I used to hate as a pastor preaching on giving week. It's the worst week to preach on, okay? 
no one's excited to hear a giving sermon, usually. Um, people have had all kinds of preconceived notions that, you know, the church just wants their money. So I, I used to despise preaching on giving week. I love preaching on giving week now. I love it. You know why? Because God did a work in my heart about giving. I had it all wrong for so many years, and I want to share with you the work that he did in my life because tonight is an opportunity to give God worship with our treasure. And guys, you need to know this. Where your treasure lies, so too does your heart. Come on, church people know that. You didn't want to say it. <laughs> where your treasure lies, so too lies your heart. That's right. That's in the Word of God. And the Word of God doesn't have a single lie in it. It's true. But tonight we get an opportunity to give part of the gifts back to the giver. We've been given everything we have. We get an opportunity to give back. We get an opportunity tonight to make room for him. Would you look to your neighbor, choose the one whom you love, back at my games. Come on. The one whom you love, choose him. Huntsville people, you don't know that we do this. We do this often, okay? Choose the one whom you love. I'm watching. I'm watching. Choose the one whom you love. Come on. Look at him right now and ask him for some money. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Say this. Say make. Come on, preachers. Say make room. Make room. Make room. That is what I want to talk to you about tonight. I want to talk to you about making room, okay? If they gave you money, give it back to them, all right? That was just a joke. I want to talk to you about making room. Um, those of you who have been coming here, you know my story. I won't, I won't tell it. Um, but I went to law school. Uh, I was going to be a lawyer. I, last thing I wanted to do on earth was be a preacher. Um, God did an amazing work in my life, uh, and he saved me from that awful profession of practicing law. There are quite a few lawyers in this room tonight. I apologize in advance. Um, but when I was in law school, I had this friend. He was an older gentleman, and he was a Virginia. I went to law school in Virginia. He was a Virginia state trooper. I don't know if you know anything about them. They're miserable people, okay? They will give you a speeding ticket for going three miles an hour over the limit. They're amazing people, and they, they serve us and protect us and keep us safe. But this guy, man, he wanted to be a lawyer, so he went to law school, and, and now he is a lawyer. He's a very good lawyer today. But he would never go to church. We would invite him and invite him and invite him. And one week I thought, you know, I'm just going to ask him, right? Hey, bro, why, why? Just why? I'm just curious. I'm not pressuring you, but why do you not want to go to church? And you know what he said to me in his thick Virginia old man accent? He said, ah, that God just wants my money. That God just wants my money. That's all I ever hear about. I'm not going to church. I didn't say this to him, but do you know what I wanted to say to him? Bro, how much money do you have that you think the creator of the universe needs your money? Like, that would have been kind of rude. So I didn't say that to him. But, but what I want to talk to you about tonight is that God doesn't want or need your money. Truthfully, he doesn't. What God has always wanted, dare I say what God needs, taking a leap there, is your heart. Your heart is always what he has wanted. It is the object of his affection. So the question we have tonight when I say make room is, is can we make room for him in our heart? Because God knows, God knows, he said this in the Bible, that where your treasure is, so is your heart. That's Matthew 6, verse 21. It actually says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's verbatim, Matthew 6, 21. That's what it says. And let me tell you a story about a man in the Bible. This man is the only man recorded in the Gospels who directly heard the gospel message from Jesus Christ other than the Pharisees. 
and still turned away and did not follow him. The only man, there was only one in the Gospels. His name was the rich young ruler. You ever heard of him? Who's heard of the rich young ruler? This is from Mark chapter 10. It's going to come on the screen in a moment, but before it does, modern scholars and theologians have studied this guy a lot because it's pretty remarkable that Jesus Christ, the Son of God in the flesh, would invite you personally to follow him and you say, no deuces, I'm out. Peace out. That means goodbye. Sorry. Older people. Uh, I'm so rude. I need to be nicer. Um, it's the only person. So they've studied him a lot. Like, why? Why could this be? And he had a lot. He was called the rich young ruler. It's, the Bible says that he owned great property. He owned a lot. And they've studied what he had compared to what you and I have today. And the interesting thing about that study is that the majority, the strong majority of us today have more than that rich young ruler had 2,000 years ago. And the reason he turned away and did not follow God is very interesting. But today, you and I, we have more comforts and luxuries than him. We got air conditioning. Anyone thankful for air conditioning? Yeah, we got heat. We got bathrooms. We got toilets. We got Netflix. I don't know if you should be thankful for that, to be honest. But we got Netflix. We got Tim Hortons. You can be thankful for that if you're not. Come on. We got Tim Hortons. Anyone thankful for Tim Hortons? Yeah. We have food on demand. I mean, we live a comfortable life today compared to the life that the rich young ruler had. And he turned away from God because of what he had. Let me tell you this story. It's going to come up on the screen. Mark chapter 10. As he was setting out on a journey, this is the Lord. This is Jesus Christ. As Jesus Christ was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him. That's a lot of reverence to knelt, kneel down before him knelt down before him and asked him, good teacher, rabbi, what shall I do so that I may inherit eternal life? Now, I'm going to skip over the next couple of verses for the sake of time, but, but he, the, God, the God's son in the flesh, Jesus tells him these commandments, and he says, yeah, great, I've been keeping all of those, I've been keeping all of those, but what can I do to go to heaven? What can I do? And in the next verse, verse 21, looking at him, Jesus showed love to him. That's the first thing you've got to recognize. Let's stop there. He tells him the next thing because he's showing love to him. He says it out of love, not out of judgment. He says it out of love to him. And he says, young rich ruler, there is one thing that you lack. Go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But verse 22, but he was deeply dismayed. Another translation says he was offended. The young rich ruler was offended by Jesus when he said this. He was deeply dismayed by these words, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. He had a lot. So when Christ said, give it all up and follow me, that was a big deal for him. And then verse 23, Jesus looking around said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples, verse 24, were amazed at his words, but Jesus responded again and said to them, children, we're all God's children, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of heaven? Verse 25, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. That's a crazy statement made by Jesus. The eye of a needle. My whole life, up until a few years ago, when I really studied this, I thought what Jesus meant by the eye of a needle was the eye of a needle. You know a needle, that small little thing that's like a pin? You know what I'm talking about, right? I thought that's what he was saying. So does that mean it's impossible for a rich person to go to heaven? 
Does that mean that money's bad? Does that mean the only way to go to heaven is to give it all up and give to the poor? Because that doesn't sound like the context of the rest of Scripture. What is he meaning? But see, I studied it and I had it taught to me. Y'all, you need to understand what the eye of the needle is. See, Christ was giving this teaching outside of a city called Jerusalem. Jerusalem had something called the eye of the needle. And what this was was a very small door, just about the size of one man or one woman, just like this, a very small door, and it was the main way to enter into the city. You might say, well, that's kind of crazy. Why wouldn't you have a big, big gate or a big door? They had that, but they would leave that shut because very often they were at war. And you leave your gates open, that's a whole, that's a whole sermon in itself. You leave your gates wide open, and then the enemy can come in anytime they want, and you can't close it enough after they start coming in, close it quick enough. So they had this thing called the eye of the needle that always stayed open. And, and when, when Jesus said that it's easier for a rich person to get through the eye of the needle than someone to go to heaven, let me tell you what he was actually teaching you and teaching me, okay? Rich people back then had camels. They didn't walk, okay? It was the equivalent of having a Tesla, okay? We had to put water in it, not plug it in, okay? It was a camel. That's how they got around. They didn't walk places. It was hot. Israel's in the desert. They had camels. So when you would enter a city, you would have a camel. And the only way you would get your camel into the city through the eye of the needle, through the small door, would be one, to get the camel to kneel down. There's another sermon in itself, right? You want to kingdom of heaven, you've got to kneel down, okay? And two was to take everything off of the camel. All the possessions, all the treasure, all the jewels, whatever you've been traveling with, take it all off. Then you could pass through the eye of the needle and enter into God's city, enter into God's kingdom. What Jesus was teaching us is that we have to be willing to take it all off if we want to enter. Because if we value our stuff and our things and our treasure or anything else, this isn't just about money, if anything else has that top place in our heart, then it comes between us and our God, our designer, and our maker. So what he's saying is you've got to be willing to take it all off. But let me tell you the rest of the story about the eye of the needle. When, the, when you took it all off the camel and the camel walked through, guess what happened? The rest would get passed through to you. You didn't have to leave it on the other side and abandon it. It would get passed through to you. This was a test by Jesus Christ to the rich young ruler. Because Jesus knew his heart. Jesus knows your heart. God knows your heart. God knows my heart. This was a test to the young, rich ruler to see what really was on the throne of his heart. And unfortunately, what, what happened? He was offended. He left dismayed. He said, no, I, I, I worship the blessing more than I worship the blesser. And, and he valued the treasure more than he valued his Savior. But see, he wasn't a bad man. He knelt at, at Jesus Christ's feet. Like we like to do at the river sometimes, he knelt down before him. He, he kept the commandments. He went to church. He did all the things. But there was something that occupied so much room in his heart that he could not give it up if Jesus asked him to do it. Guys, Jesus didn't want his money. Newsflash, God does not need your money or my money. What Jesus and what God has always wanted from day one in the garden has been your heart. And it has been my heart. It's why he gave free will to Adam and Eve, so that he could have relationship with them. Knowing that sin would be the cost, and knowing his son would have to die on the cross, he gave it to them anyway because he wanted their heart. 
Abraham and Isaac, you ever heard of that story? God didn't want to kill a young boy. He's not a bloodthirsty, evil God. Isaac had become Abraham's heart. Isaac was Abraham's greatest blessing. And God loved Abraham enough to not allow the blessing to get in the way of his relationship with the blessed one. And then he provided, and of course, you know the rest of the story. He didn't kill Isaac. He spared his life with the perfect lamb, just like he did for you and for me on a cross on a mount called Calvary. Guys, if we aren't careful, we can worship the blessing more than the blessor. And y'all, the Bible doesn't say that money is evil. Nowhere does it say that. You won't find it. The Bible talks about money a lot. What the Bible does say is that the love of money is the root of all evil. When you put money on a throne above Jesus Christ in your life, that becomes evil. Matthew 6, 24 says it this way. You cannot serve both God and money. It doesn't mean you can't have money. Having money isn't bad. God wants you to be blessed. That's not what he's saying. But, but you can't serve both. See, remember this, y'all. God makes us. Everything that we have comes from him. And then he asks us a little bit. He says, give me back the first 10%. He says, give me a tithe. Give me back the first 10%. I don't know about you, but I had a big problem with that in my life. And there was many, many years where I did not tithe. Just tell you, newsflash, I'm a pastor. I, I did not tithe, and I did not give. I gave God a little bit here and a little bit there. Let me show you what I did. Let me show you what I did. Can you all help me up here? Front row people. Yeah? You don't have to get up. Right now. Sounds terrible. Um, let me show you what I did. I started with all the things that I had to pay for in my life, okay? So good ones at the beginning, you know, like a mortgage. Anyone here have a mortgage? Let me see your hand if you have a mortgage. Y'all, you are blessed to own a house in 2023. It is a blessing to have a mortgage. There are people here who would kill it. So, you know, I'd have to pay my mortgage. Jesse, hey, you're a mortgage today. No one really likes you as a mortgage. I'm sorry. It's, your interest rates are going up, and, but it's a blessing to have a mortgage. So I would, I would pay my mortgage, okay? And then, you know, I need a phone, so I got a phone bill right? Phone bills are the highest in Canada and anywhere in the world, by the way, which is crazy. Um, but you know, I can't be cruising IG slow, so I need unlimited data, 5G. I need speed. So you, you, my friend, you're, you're a phone bill, okay? So I pay you. I pay my phone bill. What else? Then um, what other things do I need? Internet. Anyone here need internet? You need internet? Yeah, I need internet. I can't be, you know, I can't be on dial-up. Good Lord. I can't be on dial-up. I need one gigabit up. I need one gigabit down. I need fast internet, so, you know, I pay you, pay you. Okay, there you go, internet. Thank you. You are, internet is powerful, but also, whoa, man, internet. You got a lot to deal with. Let me just say that as internet. Um, then, you know, uh, this isn't the garden. You know, this isn't the garden of Eden, God. I need clothes. I can't be walking around without clothes. I need clothes. I'm a servant of, of God up on a stage. I need, I, you know, I can't be looking like a scrub. I need, I need some good, I need that maple leaf jacket. I got to have that. It's, it's a Leaf playoff game tonight, right? You know? Yeah, go Leafs, go. Some people, I just made some people mad. Giving went down a lot. Shoot. <laughs> you know, I, I got to have clothes. I, I can't be looking like a scrub. So, okay, here, you're, you're, you're some fly-looking clothes. Okay, there you go. You look very great. So, so you know, I, I did that, and then I'm looking, okay, oh, man, new Jordan release. Nike Dunks. That's a necessity. You got to have that. Come here, Nike Dunks. There you go. You're Nike Dunks. Thank you. This analogy would be good for a younger person. Um, you know, I need, I need all that. And then I'd finally get to a point where I'm ready to go to church. Okay, after all that. Maybe it's Sunday, maybe it's Tuesday, whenever you worship. And I'm ready to go to church. But Lord knows I cannot go to church uncaffeinated. Okay, I need to be caffeinated before I can be anointed. 
So that's just a necessity, right? That's in the Bible somewhere, right? So I got to stop, and before I worship at church, I got to worship at this place, this other church called, uh, what's it called? St. Um, Arbucks. So I got to go to St. Arbucks. You're St. Arbucks. That's Starbucks. I didn't get it. You're St. Arbucks. Okay. Now I'm at church, and I'm ready, and it's giving week, and I'm excited, and I'm, yeah, God, yes, raise a hallelujah, and I'm there, and I'm like, okay, cool. I got this left. Okay, so I got these. Oh, it's time to give. Okay, cool. This is me. I'm not saying this is you. This was me. This was truly me. Um, okay, I got this left. I'm ready. You're ready to give it. Oh, but you know, God, I might, I might just need that one. I just might need that. Rainy day, you know? Let me just keep that. Okay, God, here you go. Here's your, here's your five. Here you go. Here you go, God. You're, you're not God, Anna. Don't go thinking you're God, but you represent him in this moment, okay? Which is a good thing, okay? That, y'all, is how I tithe for the majority of my life. Calling that a tithe is an insult. That is not a tithe. Do you know what that is? That is a tip. That is a tip to God like you give a waiter at a restaurant. How much do I have left? How good was he this week? What type of service did I receive, you know? Maybe I'll tip five. Maybe I'll tip ten. Ooh, ten. You tip 10% to a waiter. Now, by the way, you get slapped. God only asked for 10%, right? But that is how I tithe for so long. That is not a tithe. That is a tip. And, and see, I would get like, oh, you know, if they play the songs I like, maybe I'll, you know, do a little more. If they give me that seat that I want up front, those ushers always put me in the back. You know, they didn't really smile at the door on the way in. I think I'll, I'll lower it down a little bit this week and then give them a little more next week. Treating the church like it's some type of consumer industry. That is what I did for so many years. That is not a tithe. That is a tip, y'all. That is giving God the leftover little bit. That is not what God asks us to do. God asks us to choose him first above all that other stuff. Can somebody give the Lord praise for that? God asks us to choose him first, and he's not greedy. It's only 10%. He knows gas is mad money, okay? He knows it's not cheap. He knows, so it's just 10%. And, and see, I had this epiphany. I realized one day from a sermon much like this that I've been thinking about it all wrong. I was thinking about that 10% like it was a tax. It was like a tax that I had to give to God. And I heard a sermon one day that flipped my whole perspective. I realized, no, 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 that's not a tax. It's not a tax. The amazing thing is I get to keep 90 of what God gives me. The fact that he gives me 100 because it all comes from him and I'm allowed to keep 90 of it, that's, it. that's a blessing. That's incredible. Someone thankful that you get to keep 90? Anybody? Yes? It's not a tax. By the way, the government of Canada taxes you a lot more than 10%. I don't see you moving out of this country and going, that's unbelievable. I'll never go back to that place ever again. 10%. I'm preaching hard to you. I don't know if you like it or not. But, but it's not a tax. It's a blessing that we get to keep the nine. What's unbelievable is that we actually get to keep the nine because let me show you what happens when, when you obey God in this area. You become a through-flowing channel. You don't become a cup that God fills up once and then is full and no other space. When you obey him and you give generously like he tells us to give, when you put him on the throne of your heart, not like the rich young ruler who had that one thing that he wasn't willing to let go of, not like my buddy in law school who wouldn't go to church because of that one thing called money. When you become a throw, a through-flowing channel of generosity, when you are faithful with what he gives you, there is a blessing. He starts multiplying. 
He is a God of multiplication, y'all. He loves to bless. He loves to multiply. But it takes someone who prioritizes him in their heart, who makes room for him in their heart. I'm going to do something weird. You ready for weird? Anyone like weird? I like weird. This could fail epically. Let me just warn that. Epically. It might end up on YouTube. Is there anyone in this room who has exactly in cash $53? Let me see your hand. If you have exactly in cash $53. I'm amazed that there are multiple hands going up. One, the fact that y'all keep cash is weird. Okay, I haven't seen cash in a long time. Someone over here, you had your hand up. Can you come up? Chad. Is that Chad? Give it up for Chad. I didn't know Chad had this. You have 53 bucks? Wait, you said, why is it in an envelope? You just carry money in an envelope? It's in an envelope because Madai gave it to you, isn't it? That's good. I told him to give it to you, okay? That's good. Um, are you willing to give that to, to the river? Are you willing to give that today? Would you give it? Okay. Give it up for Chad. That's generous. So I told Madai to find somebody in the audience and give him, Chad, where are you going? Get back up here. Get you preaching soon. I told Madai, find some, Madai is the assistant pastor right here. Give it up for him. He's back there running video right now. I said, find somebody, don't tell me who it is, and give them $53. And I want to see if they'll sit on their hands and keep that 53 bucks when I ask this question, or if they'll put their hand up knowing that I'm going to ask for it. And Chad, you, you did. Stay there. Stay there. You did. Okay? So God gave you something. You didn't have this when you came in, right? You're not weird. You didn't have $53 of cash on you, right? You didn't have it when you came in. You seem like um, I tore your envelope. But because you're willing to give $53, here's $530 that we want to bless you. Take that. Go sit down. Take that. Take that. That's for you. Look, before you go, what is this crazy prosperity gospel church, okay? Because I know how you do, Christians, all right? Okay? Before you go doing that, why did I do that? Everything that we get from God, everything that we get in life is from God, right? Chad didn't have that 53 bucks when he came in and he was blessed with that $53. He could have kept it and been blessed by God with $53, but you know what? His blessing would have ended right there. His cup that I just talked about would have been full, and that's it. You can't put anything more in a cup that's full. That would have been it. But because he was willing and generous to give it, well, he didn't have to. Nobody told him to do that. Guess what God does? He multiplies because he's a God of multiplication. Amen? Let me put it to you this way because we're going to give soon and go back to worship. If you want multiplication in your life, you can't skip addition or subtraction. If you want multiplication, you've got to be willing to add and subtract. Chad had to be willing to subtract $53 and add to God's bride, the church, and give to them. See, we go to God so often and we pray, God, multiply my horizons, expand my horizons. Bless me, God. Why are you not blessing me? The question, though, to ask is, is, is are we being faithful with what he gives now? It's the parable of the talents, the one who wasn't faithful and, and just buried their blessing under the ground, wasn't trusted with anymore. God rewards faithfulness, my friends. He was willing to give it back so then God can trust him with more. That's the way it works. Give it up for Chad, somebody. Give it up for Chad. I didn't know Chad had the money, but I do know Chad's story. And what God has done in his life is unbelievable, and he's an amazing man of God. So keep, keep him in your prayers. 
He's, he's absolutely incredible. But multiplication, before you go all thinking I'm a prosperity preacher, multiplication doesn't always look like money. I'm not here promising you today that if you give God 10, he'll give you 100. I didn't say that. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible does not say that. You might not get rich with dollar signs if you're faithful to God, but let me tell you the type of signs you'll get rich with. Peace signs. Joy signs. Fulfillment signs. Those, my friends, are a whole lot better than dollar signs. I promise you that. A whole lot better. All these games I've been playing with you, why? Just because I want you to know one sentence. God does not want or need your money. He doesn't. God wants and needs your heart. But your treasure is where your heart lies also. And don't look me in the eye and say, Pastor, that might be true, but that's not my story. That's in the Bible. That's everybody's story. If you believe that that's not true, it's even more true for you. That your treasure is where your heart lies also. So giving, my friends, is not about money. And look, you might go, that's convenient, Pastor, saying all that right before we give. If you don't feel called to give here, do not give tonight. Please don't. If you feel called to give somewhere else, if you think that there is better soil in God's kingdom to sow to, give there. Do it, please. I don't say that facetiously. I mean, really, please give there. Don't stop giving at your church to give here. But I can tell you that this is good soil and that God is up to an amazing thing. And that I really do believe that he's just getting started. Guys, he died for your heart. And he died for my heart. Jonathan, could you play those keys, worship team? Come on back up here. We're going to give in a couple moments. What I want you to know above anything else tonight, beyond this teaching about money, which is important, it's painful as a preacher to give, but it's important. I want you to know what Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says. It's this picture right here on the screen, actually. It says that God stands at the door and knocks. That's God. He can do anything he wants. If he wanted to kick down that door in your life, he could kick it down and come in. But the creator of the universe, universe stands at the door of your heart and mine. Knock, knock, knock. He just knocks. And he says, if you will let me in, I will come in and I will change everything. Your eternity will look completely different. He stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. And, and why I love Giving Week, yeah, I love it because it makes amazing things possible for this ministry so we can have another season so you can continue to worship him and that salvation number can grow higher and higher and hopefully it's something that spreads to other churches all around this country. I love it for that reason. But I love it more in that there are some of us that this has been in the way in our heart. And tonight is an opportunity to put it out of the way, to make room, because he's still knocking on your He's still knocking on my heart. Divorced? Still knocking. Depressed? Still knocking. You sinned just this morning. Still knocking. There is nothing that you can do that is going to make that sweet, beautiful Savior stop knocking on your heart. Nothing you have done, nothing you have thought about, nothing you will ever do, still knocking. He's still knocking today in 2023 on your heart. There's only one question. Will you turn the handle? Will you open it up and say, God, come into my heart? Will you come into my heart and fill every space so there's nothing that comes between me and you anymore? 
Will you make room in your heart, in your house, in your family for him? So if tonight money has been the thing that gets in the way, get it out of the way, man. And maybe you've already figured this out. I hope you have. It took me many years to figure it out. It doesn't mean you shouldn't give. And like I said, if you're not giving here, give somewhere else. But I no longer want money to be above God in my heart. I don't want to go away grieving like the rich young ruler did. So tonight I have an opportunity that I'm thankful for and I'm going to give. I want to be faithful to God so that I can see multiplication in my life. I know I might not get rich tomorrow. That's not why I do it. If you do it for that, stop doing it. That's the wrong intention if you do it for that. That might not be it, but I know that I will be blessed if I am faithful to my God. He promises me that and his promises are yes and his promises are amen. Would you stand to your feet right now? We're going to sing one more song, and then we're going to give. And then you can, we can get home and get back on with our lives and everything else. But the ushers are going to get ready as we sing this song. And What I would love for you to do as we sing this next song is go to the Lord. Put out every distraction and go to the Lord and be like, Lord, do you want me to give? How much do you want me to give? Is there something, if it's not about giving, go to the Lord and be like, is there something else in my heart that is taking up room that you should be in? Do I need to make room in my heart tonight for you, God? You have a chance to do it right now. Don't wait till Sunday. Don't wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll have enough problems. Worry about your soul tonight. Worry about your heart tonight. So we're going to sing this song called Make Room. And I hope that you will make room in your hearts tonight. I'm going to come back up here after the song is done, and I'm going to pray, and then the ushers will be in position. And I'm going to ask every single one of you, without exception, this is bold, but I don't care. I'm going to ask every single one of you to get up out of your seat. There will be ushers that will come. We'll do it in order. It'll be fast. It'll be safe. And to go to those giving stations and to put in that envelope that's on your chair. Even if you don't give a dollar, that's fine. I want you to write down that word that you are praying for in season six. We will be praying day and night over that word in your life. And then we're going to give you a card that you're going to write that down on and take home with you. And we're giving you a free wooden placeholder that you can put it in. Whether you give a dollar or not, we don't care. We're giving that to you anyway. And we want you to put that in your office, on your desk, next to your bed. Just see it in a place where it reminds you to pray. Because, y'all, if we can be faithful, we can see multiplication. If we can be obedient, we can find blessings. So would you pray to the Lord about that right now as we sing that song? Then we're going to give, and then we have one song. Worship team, let's, let's worship the Lord together.